Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, October the 10th, 2023. Uh, many of us are still reeling from what happened and what continues to happen in the Middle East. And some people are wondering to themselves what to tell the kids, how to make sense of this for younger children, teenagers, and even young adults. My guest today on the show may have the answer for us. Uh, Alana K. Arnold is a best-selling, prize-winning uh, writer, many books for children and teens, including The House Wasn't There, Damsel, and the National Book Award finalist, What Girls Are Made Of. And she has a new book out. Unfortunately, uh, it's brought out, I think, just at the right time. Um, the book is called uh, The Blood Years. It's written for uh, teens, people about 14 and above. Some people will, of course, uh, read it as adults. And it's a book um, about her grandmother uh, during the Second World War. Alana is joining us from Long Beach in California, just south of me. Um, Alana, before we get to the book, do you have advice uh, in terms of what one should and shouldn't tell children, our kids or um, children about what's happening yeah. uh, in the Middle East at the moment? I'm a parent as well. Uh, my kids are older now, uh, but I've always found the best route to be to be honest because children are whole people and uh, they deserve truth, uh, the best we can give it. I think it's a good idea to start small and let kids ask questions and then answer them as they come because some kids are ready to hear more than others. And if you allow your child to lead you in the conversation, and if you don't know the answer to say, I don't know, or if something is complicated to explain that things are complicated and that there, there's a lot of things happening um, and that maybe you don't have all the answers and you can do some research together. I think being vulnerable and honest with children is uh, just like we should be with all humans is the best we can do. As you know, I need to tell you this, this issue is profoundly divisive one only needs to spend a few minutes on social media to understand it do you think i mean we can't control whether or not our kids go on twitter or facebook or instagram or tiktok but do you think that we should at least give some warnings to them about the kinds of things that they might or might not read on these platforms which aren't filtered which aren't censored which aren't curated in any way Absolutely. I mean, that's the internet. When my kids were little, I knew very well that if they wanted to Google things, like if my son wanted to Google breasts, he was going to get fed uh, a never ending stream of what he was looking for that would probably lead him to other places that maybe he wasn't ready for. So I've always had very open and honest conversations with my children about choosing where they look and what research is, which is a huge part of the work in this book was, was the research that I did, uh, understanding nuance and um, not looking um, in places where you might not like what you find, that you might not be ready to see. I think children, um, if we can explain to them, uh, instead, of, instead of trying to sort of protect innocence to, to the cost of sort of um, harvesting ignorance, if we can explain to kids uh, the best we understand uh, what they might find when they go looking and sit with them uh, as they explore the hard topics, whether it be 
the Middle East or sexuality uh, or whatever it might be, um, we can learn alongside our children. The sexuality is a much less, I mean, it may be controversial to some people, but you don't have these very profound ideological divisions in terms of explaining it. Maybe in some ways between, I guess, hardcore evangelicals and everybody else, but mostly everyone agrees on it. I would wish so, actually, not to change the subject too much, but I happen to be one of the most banned authors um, in the United States. Uh, I have over 16 individual titles that have been um, banned and challenged in schools and libraries across the country. And largely, um, it is around issues of gender and sexuality, Uh, although I have had my books challenged for being um, anti-Christian as well. So, um, I mean, you know, sex, politics, religion, these are the things that uh, people get very divided over, um, sort of in rotation, I think. Well, I have to uh, congratulate you, Alana Roche. I was banned. Uh, clearly, people are reading you and listening to you. Why are you one of the most banned authors, do you think? Uh, I think it is because, um, honestly, I think it's in part people aren't always reading. There's a there's a, a group called Moms for Liberty, and there are other groups that are targeting titles that they consider to be written by diverse voices. Largely, this uh, punishes LGBTQIA creators and um, black and brown writers. Uh, My works tend to be strongly feminist in tone, and they also um, sort of, they get, lines get cherry-picked from these books and then get heralded as uh, pornographic. Um, So a line or two from one of my books might get, it might be about even sexual assault, might get plucked out of the book and thrown up on a big piece of, you know, billboard and people screaming about pornography and um, people get scared and um, it's, it's hard to stand up to loud screaming people at your school board meeting. And so they, these books get removed. How do you feel about that as, as an author, as a popular author? Do you take it? I know some authors uh, see it as a compliment. Others see it yeah. as a mixed blessing. How do you view it? I think it's, it's it's shame on them, people who seek to uh, take away free access to literature. I mean, literature collections are built by trained professionals, by librarians who have advanced degrees, who understand uh, the population of their, their, their community, who are trained and continue to get education and study books, and they're being pulled by um, hateful people who seek to control other people's children through eliminating options. So I don't think it's a, a badge. These, these people, most of them aren't even reading it. So there's nothing really to be proud about. I think it's a sad commentary on um, what's going on in our country that so many books um, like mine are being, it's, it's, it's an epidemic of banned and challenged books right now. Um, and, you know, I mean, never in history have the people who wanted to ban books been the good guys. Um, never in history have we looked back and said, wow, it's a good thing that we, uh, burned those books or pulled those collections. It's, it's in retrospect, I think always harmful and kind of a canary in the coal mine um, for potentially worse things to come. Yeah, the banning of books is, is hard to understand. There are some people who argue that the problem is as bad on the left as it is on the right. Do you agree with that? I mean, I'm on the left. Uh, <laughs> well, that's why I asked you. So obviously, uh... Uh, I don't think it's. I, I I don't think it's equivalent. No, um, I do think that uh, sometimes things get elevated and heated on both sides. Um, I do think sometimes there is sort of um, 
tone policing that happens on the left. Um, but I, if I guess if I were to, you know, be scoring um, the sides, if I were the arbiter, I, I would say, no, it's not, it's not the same. Um, but definitely, you know, everybody, everybody has at least uh, a foot in the game, but I think some people have their whole body in it and um, in ways that are uh, really negatively affecting children by trying to keep them um, ignorant of the full spectrum of the human experience. Yeah, we live in odd times, Alana. On the one hand, we have the internet, which allows anyone to publish anything right. at no cost and no technical sophistication. Anyone can just put it whenever they want on these global platform. Uh, and yet, on the other hand, we have an age where everyone wants to ban everybody else from saying whatever they think uh, is true about the world. It's odd, isn't it? It is a strange time. I agree with you. Um, some of these platforms that have become so toxic in some ways were so important earlier on. Twitter was a voice where, uh, you know, often disenfranchised, marginalized groups had access to a platform and a voice in a way that they traditionally hadn't because of, um, you know, gatekeeping and because of the people who are doing the publishing largely tended to look, you know, like us um, and uh, didn't necessarily see the value of diverse voices. Um, but, you know, I mean, a circle has, you know, two points where it touches and um, something that can be uh, something that can move the needle forward in positive ways can also, like you said, become uh, something that is is harmful and divisive. We are speaking with Alana K. Arnold, uh, the author, a very distinguished uh, young, uh, young reader author. She has a new book out this week, The Blood Years. Uh, it's a book about her family and their experience in uh, Chernowitz in, in what was then Romania in the, uh, in the late 30s and 40s. Uh, Elana, um, we were joking before we went live. Your publicist told me that I have to call you Elana K. Arnold. Uh, no, just Elana Arnold. And of course, I asked you what the K stands for. And perhaps that's an appropriate introduction to uh, the blood years. Yeah, so uh, my my name of origin is Alana Kuczynski, and now I am Alana Kuczynski Arnold. And when I started publishing, that seemed like a long name for uh, the cover of a book. And so, you know, Alana K. Arnold it has become. But the K is important to me because um, my I have a very small family of origin. Um, most of my um, family members didn't make it out of World War II. Um, uh, we're Jewish, and um, my grandfather's side was Polish Jewish and many of them perished in concentration camps. My grandmother, who the book is about, is uh, Romanian or was a Romanian Jew. That's her, uh, the younger girl on the yeah, far right. Yeah, people watching on the yeah. far right. And here we have some wonderful pictures of her as a schoolgirl, and then uh, when yes. she was older. My beautiful grandmother. Yeah, she... Um, well, a woman of and, and a girl of remarkable beauty. She truly, truly was. Uh, and it's shown outside from the end. She was a, she was my um, most important force growing up. She believed in um, reading. She believed in answering any question that we asked her uh, with as much honesty as she could. She had an uh, absolute um, sense of humor and uh, would always tell us her stories if we asked for them uh, and didn't always need to appear the hero in her stories either. In fact, most of her stories were about her family. Uh, and what happened to her sister and her grandfather and her mother. And this book is a novel based on her young and teenage years as a teenager, a Jewish teenager in Chernovitz, Romania, before, as you said, and during World War II. Uh, it's such an interesting place and time um, 
most people aren't aware of what happened in Chernovitz uh, and in Romania during the war, um, in large part because Romania wasn't terribly interested in broadcasting um, what they had done to their resident Jews. Um, and things changed very quickly in Chernovitz. It was at one point Austro-Hungarian Austro Empire, then it was Romania, and then it was Russia. Uh, and here we, you know, Chernovitsi, it's now called Ukraine. And as I was writing this book, I wanted to go visit Chernovitsi, Ukraine to do research, but the Russians invaded just as they had when my grandmother was a teen, uh, which kept me from traveling there. But there's a character in the book who says everything is cyclical and seeing that cycle just of Russia invading this town take place as I was writing about Russia invading this town was, was chilling. Chernowitz was a very, uh, very strongly Jewish town. Tell us a little bit about the yeah. numbers of Jews who, who lived in Chernowitz and why they were there. So Chernowitz was called uh, Little Vienna um, by a lot of the Jewish residents. It was considered to be a space of, of uh, culture and education. Um, there were a lot of uh, fairly wealthy Jewish residents. Uh, a lot of professors at the universities were Jewish. A lot of the doctors were Jewish. Um, and they had relative safety. Uh, the important word there is relative because they're really um, hate against Jews and violence against Jews is, is was not um, Holocaust specific. It's not like it came out of nowhere. You know, uh, there had been a history of of murders and violence against Jews sort of cyclically. And but. For the most part, uh, when my grandmother was born, Chernovitz was relatively safe, but uh, the rights of the Jews began to be stripped away uh, as she grew up. Um, they lost their citizenship. Um, they lost the right to own businesses. After a while, uh, they lost the right to teach. Um, they lost the right to own property. Um, they lost the rights to their homes, uh, and many of them lost the right to their lives. And this is the story of it's, it's a story about this time and place, but it's also a very specific family story about sisterhood. Um, it's about um, what it means to be a woman growing up. The title of the blood years has two meanings. Uh, first of all, the terrible, bloody years of violence of the war, but also the years during which this young character, Frederica, uh, enters womanhood uh, when she begins menstruating and all of the sort of pain and violence that can be associated with being in that body and as you said a remarkably beautiful woman who wasn't at the time necessarily even considered to be a person she was a jew which was different a jew was different than a citizen a jew was not someone who was entitled to the same um the same rights rights to privacy right to life even and so yeah the the title is in reference both to the war and also to to coming of age female remind us of um the, the the politics of the period. Romania is notorious for perhaps the most anti-Semitic place in Europe. There was, of yes. course, uh, um, a, uh, a a fascist organization called the Iron Guard. Yep. <laughs> there was a military government that was friendly towards the Iron Guard. How, how Romanians have always been very good at keeping out of wars. How did the Romanians keep out of the Second World War mostly? I, so what a pleasure it is to talk with someone who is aware of some of the region's history, uh, because as you said, it is not terribly uh, well known. Um, it was a, a place that this specific area, Chernovitz, um, was a place that was sort of right on the border of several areas. And so became sort of taken over um, by various groups as the war progressed. Um, they are notoriously, the, the country has been notoriously anti-Semitic. 
Uh, in fact, more Romanian Jews were killed, I believe, than uh, second only to uh, to German Jews. Um, but the Romanian government um, really didn't want to talk about it, and after so they were they were um, aligned um, with with Russia. And Russia came in um, and took over. And then um, uh, the Germans, the Nazis, of course, began their counterattack and chased the Russians out. And then the Nazis came. So my grandmother was forced to learn several languages very quickly. So she went from speaking German in the home and Yiddish with her, you know, Yiddish as well, to needing to learn uh, Romanian uh, outside of the home for school. And then when the Russians came, immediately all the streets were turned Russian, all the 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 propaganda was Russian and she had only could speak Russian in school. And then the Germans came and then there was no more school at all for her. And she was forced to move to a ghetto. Um, she also suffered with tuberculosis uh, during the war. So that's a big part of this book. Um, but after the war was over, uh, well, the, um, the Romanians switched uh, alliances again uh, towards the end of the war and, uh, you know, fought against the Germans and claimed that they had been allies and, you know, the whole, you know, they'd been with the Allies the whole time, which, of course, was not true, and did their very best to sort of cover up and bury and erase the atrocities that had occurred to the Jewish population. Um, it became, it's very hard to find information. Uh, a lot of the, the burial grounds are unmarked. Um, a lot of records have been destroyed. And, um, you know, there was communism there for a very long time. So it was very difficult to find information. I had to do a lot of digging and um yeah, I read a lot of primary uh, source material, um, memoirs written by Holocaust survivors from that area. Uh, I read PhD dissertations about the area. Um, I visited the uh, Holocaust Museum in DC and here in LA and listened to dozens and dozens of survivors' testimonials and incorporated fragments of their stories into this book as well. Most people, when they think of the Holocaust and the destruction of European Jewry, think of the concentration camps and the industrial slaughter, places like Auschwitz. But I'm guessing, I, you're the expert here, I'm guessing that most of the murders of the, the Romanian Jews was not in concentration camps, but was by gangs of one kind or another, perhaps German, perhaps Romanian fascist or yes, Ukrainian fascist. And these people were murdered in ditches, in villages, in the places they lived. It's, so it's much harder to actually find out what happened. Absolutely true. Yeah. Um, there was a place called Transnistria, which was across the river where Jews were sent um, in waves to die, just basically to starve and die of typhus and die of weather uh, and die of hunger and die of, you know, of, of poor water. And that happens to many, many Jewish families. Uh, my family uh, didn't leave the city. She was uh, lucky enough to, and it was luck is what I believe. It was not uh, a blessed choice of a higher power. She was lucky. She survived through a, a variety of fortunes and also um, some terrible things that happened to her and her family um, that helps to keep her alive, which, which I describe in the book. Um, but yes, you're right. There were, it was like... Um, whack-a-mole um except it was with the jewish citizens there and it's not it's a little harder to paint a picture of something when there isn't this uh like you said the industrial murders through the concentration camps that happened to my grandfather's family in poland and i remember yeah, learning about concentration camps yeah i learned about concentration camps in school and i said to my nana were you in a concentration camp when i was very young and like i said she talked to me very honestly she said not exactly because they weren't uh sent in a concert to a concentration camp their own home became 
um, the violent source of of in dehumanizing and murders. Alan, I'm sure you're familiar with the work of um, a previous guest of mine, Dara Horn. Yes. People love dead Jews, in which she's quite a quite a controversial polemicist. She wouldn't say she's against the um, uh, the Anne Frank industry, but she's skeptical. She believes that uh, this this almost celebration of the mm -hmm. death of especially Western European Jews is the wrong way to go about making sense mm -hmm. of what happened. Do you agree with her? I, I've read the book and there's many things I do agree with. Um, what I really, one thing I personally find abhorrent is when people sort of treat the Holocaust as sort of their sandbox, you know, and they want to make up, well, what if there was this, this character who's, a, you know, a third this historical character and part this character and, and she's this, you know, non-Jewish character who saves all these Jews and wouldn't that be fantastic? I find that to be kind of boring and also kind of gross. Um, enough true terrible things happened that we can wrestle with and make sense of in our work that we don't need to um, play, I think, in this area. But I also think that one of the important things about my book is that it is a celebration of a life um, and a celebration of a family. Um, terrible things happen in this book, but this is truly a book about uh, a woman, a girl, uh, and her great loves who are her grandfather and her sister. It's a story about it's a story about the great and terrible things that people do in the name of love, and that is a universal story. This one happens to take place uh, in Romania during World War II, but I, I think that it is a story that um, that's about love. Yeah, and I, I think what um, Dara Horn argues is that we need to we uh, authors on this period, thinkers on this period, need to retrieve the idea of agency. We did a show with one writer who's written a book about Jewish women who fought back against the Nazis. Did uh, your grandmother fight back or was she yeah. too young? Did she, That's a she great just, question. You, 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 you suggest that she was simply lucky to survive, but was it, did she make her own luck in part? I'm sure everybody does to some degree, but there's plenty of people who make their own luck who then run out of it. And I, I really push back on the idea that um, that we should only look or celebrate or elevate the voices of those who I think every life is valuable. And I think that's something we're seeing right now too in, in the Middle East is every lost life, every murdered life, every story is, is a tremendous, grievous tragedy. Um, and whether or not a character, you know, a human who lived through this time was, uh, you know, a partisan fighter who, you know, managed to knife Nazis in the back alley or whether they're like my grandmother, a girl with tuberculosis who was forced to give up dance and who really just wanted to to be at home safely with her family. Uh, each of those stories has equal value. All human life is valuable. And I think if we look closely and intimately at any life, we will find the material to make great art. Each human contains multitudes. Each of us has experienced most of the giant big emotions that allow us to connect as, as humans. And um, I think if everybody could look a little more closely at their very own family, at their very own self and be vulnerable with, um, with sharing their stories, there's, there's a ton, there's a ton of interesting stuff that we can all find. It's a very liberal position uh, in the best sense. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Liberties, which is also a journal of liberalism of one kind or another, a quarterly journal of culture and politics, uh, edited by Leon uh, 
Weasel Tear, who who knows your part of the world and your issues, I think Alana quite well. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. No, but I will um, be. Uh, I actually everyone on the show gets uh, an annual free annual subscription, so you'll be included. I'm going to run a short ad for Liberties, and then I want to come back and in our final segment talk to Alana about 2023 and how her book can help make sense of the terrible events in the Middle East over the last few days. So don't go away, anyone. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe at limitiesjournal.com. We are speaking with Alana um, K. Arnold, who uh, is a very successful writer. She has a new book out, The Blood Years. Uh, I think one of the chilling things, Alana, and again, I don't need to tell you this about the events over the weekend, is how similar they are to what happened during the Second World War. But of course, the situation there is is incredibly complicated and controversial. It goes without saying that the, the, the chilling, chilling images from uh, Israel over the weekend, uh, particularly disturbing to Jews who who know who are all too familiar with uh, with the Holocaust and the persecution of European Jewry. But how can we get beyond that? And how can books like yours get help us get beyond that? to begin to address this catastrophic situation in the Middle East that seems to be getting worse and worse by the day? Well, I think if I could answer that question for you succinctly and intelligently, um, I would solve a lot of world problems. Um, I don't know if there's getting beyond um, some things. Not everything, um, not everything is necessarily fixable. This is a situation that's beyond my ken as far as how, how to solve it. Uh, I think uh, books, one of the great things they do is that they humanize experiences. Um, they put specific spaces and specific thoughts that are universal, the thoughts and the experiences into the hands of people who might otherwise um, dismiss or other uh, the people about whom they're reading. I think that's why books like mine are important. And I also think that's why it's so important that we have a diverse collection of books being published and discussed because no one book uh, can or should have to do everything and tell all the stories. Um, I think what we need to do is promote and uplift a variety of voices. And I think also get very, get better at being able to hold two contradictory thoughts in the, in the same space, potentially as both true. Like this book is about mm. the great and terrible things that people do in the name of love. Sometimes the terrible people in my book do great things. Uh, sometimes um, the great people do terrible things. And I think it's that complexity, that nuance, I think is a great, it's a great place to practice complexity and nuance in the pages of a book. It's a safe space. Um, it's a quiet place to think about how terrible and great things can and do coexist. Yeah, I think some people might be disturbed by that. Maybe that's why you're one of the more banned authors. Are you it is disturbing. Yeah. pure evil doesn't really exist that we're all you know this goes back to 
Hannah Arendt, of course, and all the debates after the Second World War. Are you capable, yeah. or we're all capable of evil? I think definitely everyone is capable of evil. Are there, is there, is there pure evil? I mean, again, I, I, that's beyond my pay grade. Um, I think that people can become pure evil. I don't think anybody is born um, evil. Um, I think the question of evil itself is, it's too big. It's too big of a question. Um, I think to me, more interesting as a novelist is what happens to very specific characters in very specific uh, situations when they butt up against um, something that is evil. Have we learned anything from history? Um, Alana, uh, your grandmother, I'm not sure what wisdom she passed on. She lived through it. She certainly educated you, but you know that um, uh, the town of Chernovitz now is Chernovitsy and it's part mm -hmm. of the Ukrainian war. We've lived through the weekend where many of the worst images of the Second World War were recreated. Is history bound to repeat itself? It seems to be structured that way, but I personally am an agathist. Uh, have you heard that? A what? Term? Sorry, I haven't heard of that. Agathist. An agathist. An agathist. Is that so after I'm, Agatha Christie? I do not think so. Uh, so uh, an optimist is someone who believes things turn out for the best, like individual events turn out for the best. Um, a fatalist believes things turn out the way they were always meant to be turned out. An agathist is someone who believes... How do you spell that? Because I'm going to put that for the headline. Like Agatha, I-S-T, agathist or agatheist, okay. uh, is someone who believes that individual events don't always turn out great. Sometimes terrible, terrible things happen to individuals. But if you can take a step back, if you can look at the larger view of the cyclicality, I do believe that with each cycle, we are moving more closely to a better state. So yes, things are terrible uh, sometimes, and then they're cyclically good sometimes. But I think that the overall uh, wave of the universe um, and the wave of, of humanity is moving in the direction of good. But there's a lot of cycles back.